Hello, podcaster. It's Charlie here from the business of podcasting. And in this episode today, I am joined by Dave Jackson. Yes, the original, the Hall of Famer, Dave Jackson. Now, I will mention that this is part two of the episode. So last week's part one came out in my opinion, a great part one where we focused a lot on how to win in podcasting, both from a a strategy and content perspective. This episode, this part is all focused on podcast monetization. So if you are a podcaster that's wanting to understand different ways to monetize your podcast and different opportunities to monetize your podcast, then this is the episode for you. Now, Dave also does have a book coming out, which is where all the research came from to come up with these topics and discussion points which I highly recommend you do actually pick up. Now, I'll make sure I include a link in the description. Of course, you can get a copy from there, but I really think this is an episode that will open your eyes to some different strategies and ideas to help you monetize your podcast. So let's head into the episode. This is part two. You can listen to this part first and then go back if you're just interested in monetization. But in all honesty, you should listen to both because Dave is someone who really knows his stuff here. He's been doing it since 2005 and is just one of the absolute grandmasters when it comes to podcasting. So let's head into this episode. But I do want to shift gears here because you've got something uh, very important coming out in September, uh, which is a new book. I'm going to read out the title here. It's Profit from Your Podcast. You were very kind to send me um, an advanced copy, which I've been reading this week and digging through. And the first thing I'll say before I ask you a question is, I feel like I know this space. I think if people would consider me a reasonable expertise on podcasting, and I've read this book with the idea of like, okay, I'm probably going to read a lot of things I know. Horrible attitude, I will add. And uh, <laughs> But nonetheless, I, that was my expectation. And I found myself reading this going, Oh, I didn't think of it that way before. Or or there was a story or example where I'm like, oh, I I never would have thought of that. And it was a really, really unique and almost encyclopedic with examples perspective on monetization when it comes to podcasts and different ways you can monetize and leverage different things and how the pieces came together. And I'll probably reread it on the back of trying to cram it in before uh, we recorded this podcast. But I want to start this out by saying, why did you elect to go monetization? Why a book on monetization for podcasters? It's it's funny. I had written a book years ago and I hired a, an editor and he came back to me and said, okay, which book did you want to do? And I said, what do you mean? He goes, you you handed me this giant pile of, of stuff. And he goes, you've got a planning your podcast book here. You've got a how to podcast book. You go, you got monetization. You got things in here about how to grow your audience. He goes, it's great content. He goes, but this is all over the place. And I was like, huh? Okay. And I just thought, what do people ask about the most? How do I make money with my podcast? So originally the title was more podcast money and I had started to rewrite it because that book didn't even have Patreon in it. And it was just getting a little old in the tooth, as they say. And I was like, all right, let's 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 redo it. And um, it was just something that I have my own experience. And I'm, I'm blessed that I've been doing this a while. And I just went to my audience and I went to different Facebook groups. And I said, hey, I'm rewriting this book. If you are making a dime with your podcast, 
I want to hear from you because it, I didn't just want to tell people what to do. I wanted strategies to say, hey, this is what this person is doing, and this is why this works, and this is why this didn't work, and that whole nine yards. Because so many books and courses, they tell you what to do, or I've, I've read so many books on how storytelling is important, and storytelling is a great way to grow your business, and storytelling is a, a great way to make a point. But very few books will actually tell you how to tell a story. There's a great book called Storyworthy by uh, Matthew Dix, my favorite book on storytelling, because he talks about how to tell a story and really arrange it so it has the maximum input. So I wanted lots of examples. So I didn't just say, here are the six ways to monetize your podcast, sell your stuff, affiliate marketing, host red ads, ins uh, dynamic insertion, you know, et cetera, et cetera, donations. Okay, there you go. That's the book. I needed examples as to here's how somebody used this, here's how it worked. And I had my own examples, but I wanted other people because it was just one of those things where if it was just me, if you don't like me, then you're like, ah, it's just Dave. But I was like, oh, it's actually, I interviewed, pro there's probably close to 70 different examples or opinions or insights from different people because I really wanted a, a wide spectrum because there are so many wide topics. I mean, when you get into, like, I still don't know that much about fictional stories where you're you're doing the audio dramas and things like that. That's not really my cup of tea, but there are people that are actually crushing it. So I needed to reach out to the whole kind of podcasting arena and say, hey, if you're making money with a podcast, please come talk to me. And so at the time, I was, I was almost on tour before COVID. I was traveling all over the place and talking. And so I would just meet people and I would just say, Hey, I'm working on a book. Does anybody have an example? And so I met a few people and I had a portable recorder with me and just started recording people. And then it was just a matter of like, okay, now we're going to talk about crowdfunding. Okay. Who did I talk to about this? And I would transcribe the, the information and pull the best stuff out. But I just really wanted it to not only tell people, here's how you make money, but actually show examples and they do exactly what you did. Oh, I never thought of it that way. I know I had a person with nonprofit that had found some sort of weird sponsorship where you can actually go under the umbrella of another nonprofit who was already set up because if you try to set up a nonprofit, like you have to have a some sort of committee and all sorts of other red tape. And he found this way to, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. So the thing that I liked about it is I gave it to uh I have a, a friend, Chris Kermitzos, who runs uh, PodFest. It's this big event. I've known him for years. I helped him with his movie, The Messengers. And I knew, here again, we go back to a focus group. I needed somebody who could really let me know if this is good or bad. And I've, I've spoken at his events, and sometimes he comes up and says, that was like the best thing I've ever seen. And other times he's like, eh, you know what, that was a little long. So he'll give me an honest feedback. And I, I sent him the book, and he, he instantly called me back, and he's like, dude, your book's really good. And I'm like, well, that's cool. I'm like, how much did you read? He goes, no, I read the whole book. And he goes, this is a really good book. And I was like, well, that's good to hear. I said, because again, you kind of have that imposter syndrome. You do a lot of work and it sure looks good. And you know, I the publisher edited it and make it look all pretty. But until you actually have somebody read it, <laughs> you don't know. You kind of have an idea. It's that old putting yourself out there. And, and the stories yeah. are the thing that shines in my perspective. I really enjoyed them of the examples. I'm curious when you were doing the research for this book, which story or example was most surprising to you when it came to monetization? What did you see here that was like, oh, I didn't think that, that would work so well, but clearly it does. 
in some cases, testing a sponsor. I think my favorite story is Mark does a show. Uh, Mark Bologna does uh, Beyond Bourbon Street. And it's a show about New Orleans and Louisiana. And what he did is he started talking about a, a walking tour. And he just said, hey, if you're going to come to town, uh, you know, go see Two Chicks Walking. And he would give their website, didn't ask for any money, just started telling people, oh, I, I know these people, because it fit the theme of his his show. His his theme is not just the touristy stuff. There are other things to do in the Bourbon Street area. So he's lived there his entire life. He knows all these other things. It'd be like Las Vegas. It's like everything but the strip kind of thing. So, And he started sending people to this walking tour. They finally came over to him and they said, hey, Mark, uh, I don't know what you're doing with this whole pod thing, whatever it is, but uh, you tripled our business. What are you doing? And so Mark was like, oh, we should probably talk about a sponsorship. And the thing that he really did that I thought was just brilliant is Mark, again, here's another theme. He has a private Facebook group. It might be public in his case, but he has a Facebook group for his audience. So they can all say, hey, I tried this in the city and this and that. And he put the two chicks walking in his Facebook group. And then asked, has anybody gone on a two chicks walking tour? And he got this huge response. Oh, I did. They're great. I love them. It was like the best thing ever. So instant feedback for these people. And then he went to them. It's like, hey, it's it's uh, it's time to renegotiate the contract or time to re-sign up. He said it was like shooting fish in a barrel because they just saw, he, he just proved I brought you business, which is kind of what you need to do if you're dealing with advertisers. And I was like, that's brilliant. I never would have thought to stick my sponsors in my Facebook group. And so that was one that I was like, oh, that's, that's on one hand, you kind of go, oh, of course you would. Why wouldn't you? But I had never thought of that. So that's, that's one that kind of jumped out at me that I was like, that, that's pretty sneaky and pretty, pretty brilliant in my book. It's a different way of thinking about sponsorships or joint ventures or however you frame them there. But it's like, I think in a lot of cases we view sponsorship in podcasting. It's like, oh, they give us money and we just put the, ad in our show and that's kind of it but it's like making sure that the advertiser is benefiting from advertising and can correlate that value which is a really important part in your book i will add about being able to show your advertisers that or sponsors i should say that you're providing value that you're worth staying with and it's valuable to them and you so it was a really interesting point in the book well and and by doing that mark could see that he had an engaged audience because you kind of don't know. And this is where I, I kind of mentioned that you might want to try affiliate marketing first because a, you get a, a link that you can track and see how many people clicked on this and then how many people ordered it. Or maybe you want to do a a demographic kind of survey on something like Google forms, which is free because you can see, wow, I'm getting 500 people per episode, but I only had six people fill out the form Hmm. Maybe they're not as gauged as I, I think that they are, uh, because you're gonna need to kind of know. I think I can send X amount of people to this sponsor, and that again goes back to knowing who your audience is, so that you get the product that fits them. Uh, I used to listen to a podcast. I don't know if it's still around called Webmaster Radio, and I really didn't like the podcast that much but I love their ads because they always had these these cool, geeky, web design kind of tools that I'd never heard of. And I was I would fast forward through the podcast to get to their ads. So when you have 
ads that fit your audience, it's not like they're like, ugh, fast forward. Uh, if you have an ad that fits your audience, they're probably going to listen to it. Absolutely. I, I find myself in that example with like bigger pockets. It's a show like I quite like real estate. It's not something I talk about on the podcast, but it's it's something that I do enjoy as a topic. But whenever I listen to their ads, they're always promoting like new tools and software and things that I might actually want to buy. <laughs> so it's like it's the relevancy really makes it uh, work for me. Now, I'm curious to this as well, because was there any strategies you thought would be doing better in general? But when it came to this book, it's like, okay, well, these are the monetization areas that I think are probably the ones to avoid or stay away from or or are the lesser performers in some way. I think the dynamic ads, I knew dynamic ads weren't going to pay much because they're generic. They just get they're looking for any audience. But when I did the math and, and saw I was getting paid 0.0017 cents, I was like, that's just horrible. And I was like, what's, what's the point of that? That was one that I was like, okay. In fact, I just changed that. I, I switched uh, my weight loss podcast, which used to have dynamic ads in it. And I changed it. And I now do a host red ad where I'm promoting my crowdfunding and I changed my crowdfunding to just be five bucks. I'm not trying to make a living off this show, uh, but I have an audience and I'm, I'm just slowly, without making it a giant commercial, talking about, oh, we talked about this in our private Facebook group. And I have a website for that that they can go to and do that. And I was just like, let's just do five bucks because so many people spend a huge amount of time on Patreon coming up with the $20 value and the $10 value. And because I have so many shows, I'm like, I just need to cover my cost and maybe make a little extra money. And I'm already making more money at five bucks than I was with dynamic ads. I mean, it doesn't take much at 0.0017. And plus now I'm getting a community that's letting me know what's working and what's not working. And in a way that's really not that new. If we go back to, Again, I'm going to date myself, but I was the youngest in my family, so I inherited all my brothers and sisters' music. So I was like the only kid in first grade who knew who Jimi Hendrix was. So I was I was a Beatle fan at the age of six, and my sister was in the Beatles fan club. And what did you get as a in the Beatles fan club? You got extra material. You got they would put out little audio messages, almost like a podcast on a record. They would say, Thanks so much for being a member of the, the club and they'd say all these goofy things and but that was it. It was bonus content that you couldn't get anyplace else. And a lot of times with crowdfunding, that's all they want. They just want more of you. And in some cases they want the ability to shape the show. And it's just a fan club. And that's kind of the cool thing is now you don't have to guess who are my true fans. You know, they're over here. There's a group of them and you can contact them. And uh, I talk about Glenn Hebert, who does the Horse Radio Network a lot in the book. And he's got a giant, uh, I forget his fun phrase he uses for his Patreon, but uh, it's it's great. And he knows those are the people that are all about it. So when he has giveaways and when he has contests and things like that, it's all in that private group. And if you want access to that, Here's the group. So there's all sorts of different ways, but uh, it's. I guess that's another thing I should mention. Most of the people that are making a living with this are not just doing it with ads or not just doing it with affiliate marketing. They're doing it with all of that. I think it uh, was Adam Carolla that said you can fill the pool faster if you put more hoses in it. And so you have people that, I mean, look at John Lee Dumas. He has a product, Podcaster's Paradise. He has affiliate marketing. Uh, He also has advertising. Same thing with Pat Flynn. You know, they all have products. They have affiliate marketing. They have advertising. Then 
you throw in crowdfunding and there are other ways too. I mean, I'm, if I, you can't see this, if you're listening to the audio, but I'm holding up a $200 little device that if I breathe into this, will let me know if I'm burning carbs or fat. How did I get this? I contacted the marketing department at lumen.com. That's what this thing is called and told them I have a top 20 weight loss show in Apple podcast. I said, can I have one of these to play with? And they said, sure. Now I can't go buy groceries with this, but that's $200 that's still in my wallet that I'd have to pay to get it. So there's all sorts of fun ways to, to benefit that are not always, you know, money. Although I, you know, that's my favorite way. To Money's still nice. But it's, I like yeah. money. We'll go with money. But even reading that component with you said, we'll talk about the multiple hoses. Like that's the camp I play in. Like absolute. Like the way we monetize this show is majoritively through products and services. Like we are the sponsor of our own show. We sell our own products and services. That's been our yeah. avenue. And it was great to see that included in the book as well. You were, you spoke in depth about membership sites um, as well as uh, consulting services and editing and selling things that you are doing, which I thought was very, very cool way uh, to think about it as well. When uh, you look at monetization as a topic for podcasters, where do most get it wrong? Do you find that they have a bias towards, oh, it's just sponsors and like they kind of ignore these other methods or like is it the thinking towards it? I mean, I've just given you the answer I think is true here, but I'm very curious with what you've seen in your experience with podcasters in general. Yeah, some of it is they're not familiar with what sponsors are looking for but they jump on ads. And I think that's because of radio. Uh, like, oh, I'm doing like an internet radio show and internet or radio shows have ads, so I need sponsors. And so I will see that. And then they start looking for sponsors. And this is an actual legit, somebody had 32 downloads per episode, which again is a classroom and a half. But when some sponsors are looking for 5,000 downloads per episode and you have 32 you might have the cart just a little bit before the the horse, tiny, and so tiny, tiny bit yeah, <laughs> just just a tiny bit, yeah. So that's that's one. But if you're doing, this is where that niche comes in. If I was doing a show for triathletes, okay, if I have a product that's for triathletes, I could advertise in Shape Magazine and Men's Health and Women's Health and all these other different health places, or you know, and those have thousands of readers and, and listeners and things like that. Or I can go to your podcast, which has 500 people that do nothing but talk about being a triathlete. So it's a it's not a huge audience, but it's the right audience. And that's why I've had people like I had Focus Right was a sponsor of the School of Podcasting, and I walked into Podcast Movement, and the guy saw my cards, Dave Jackson School of Podcasting. He's like, "You're Dave Jackson," and I'm like, "Yeah." And he goes, "I want to give you money," and I go, "All right, let's talk." And I had no idea who he was. And I said, well, I need your product. I need to, like, can you give me one to play with? I said, because I'm not going to have a sponsor of something that I wouldn't use. And so I took it home and played with it. And I said, yeah, this is actually pretty cool uh, and went to town. But that's, and that was a case where I didn't mind having a sponsor because most of the time I'm promoting my stuff. And, but this was one that I was like, nope, I could look at my audience and say, if you need a, an interface, this is a good one here. But it's, that is a weird thing. I, I had uh, a sponsor once that was an audio editor, and I had a uh, was at an event and was talking to some some uh, people that said they listened to my show, and they could quote all sorts of stuff about the audio editor. And I just happened to kind of like get my marketing hat on. I go, I said, you know, I know you're you're not a member of the school of podcasting. I go, what can you tell me about it? And they're like, well, you know, you 
I don't know, I guess you help people start podcasts and stuff. And I was like, oh, that's not good because they can't tell me like I'm not describing what they actually get, but they can tell me all sorts of things about my sponsor. And that's when I was like, you got to quit. So many people like, oh, I I don't want to like be a car don't salesman. Sell. I don't, don't sell. Yeah, I don't want to sell. Don't sell. Yeah. And I was like, look, let's just treat me like I'm a sponsor. And what would I say if this person said, I would like to give you money to talk about my product? So I just started writing out a 30 second script and I treat it just like I'm any other sponsor at this point. And I had a, a friend of mine, he said, I was so happy to actually hear a great sponsor on your show. And I go, well, which one was it? And he goes, you, you idiot. He goes, it's about time. So a lot of people I think fall into that. I've had a, a friend of mine that was a speaker and I listened to her podcast and I said, how's the podcast going? She's going, Oh, it's, it's fun and all. And she's like, but I'm not getting any speaking gigs. And I go, I've listened to every episode you've done. I said, you do speaking gigs? And she goes, yeah, I just I just spoke at a high school to a bunch of kids. And I go, I've never knew that about you. I said, we talk on the phone. I've never heard you mention this. I said, why would people hire you if they don't know about it? And she said, your favorite phrase, I, I don't really want to sell. And I said, you don't have to sell. You could just say, I was talking at a high school last week and the student came up and asked me this question. And I thought, you know, that'd be a good thing to talk about on the podcast. I go, boom, you're done. That's your selling point. I go, did that sound salesy? And she goes, no. I go, but your audience now knows that you speak to high school kids. And I said, if they want more information, say your website at the end. And she go, I said, could you do that? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, there you go. Do that. It's a native ad, Dad. That's a little, that's a little sneaky one there, Dave. Uh, the native <laughs> ad, I like it. It's a bit of a sneak yeah. attack. Earlier in the show, I mentioned I had a disaster where we, we spent 100 episodes and 50 grand on a podcast. And like one of the things that made it a disaster was I had a belief, well, people will just come and like they'll just whatever I do, they'll find out. And they'll naturally fall into whatever I do and just buy it because like the podcast is so awesome. Again, I see the error in my thinking even as I say that now. But uh, hindsight's a, a really good – an experience is a really good teacher – but I had this moment um, where a good friend of mine uh, actually said to me, and he, he came and looked at me and he said, he goes, can you actually help someone have a better podcast? He goes, if someone comes and works for you, are you actually good at what you do? And I've, I would looked at him like sideways going, of course. Like that's what we do. Like that's the whole ambition of the company is to support right. and help people. And he goes, okay, he goes, so when you don't sell or don't talk about it, you stop them from having that. There's people out there right now frustrated and hating their podcast and he's like, if you don't connect those dots and that doesn't happen, that podcast never happens. It's not a, are you a car salesman? It's like, you actually look at this and going like, you don't have to push it on people. You don't have to force them to buy it. But if you don't at least make them aware of it or give them that opportunity, then it definitely won't happen. And it's especially sad when that's your goal as well. So it's just meeting the worlds of helping everyone win. I was on a, uh, a panel and I was talking with a, a woman who does a podcast, again, hyper niche. Her son, I think, is missing some sort of chromosome. And it's like super specific, rare diseases. And so she wanted to find other people that were in the same boat. So she started a podcast. And she said, I went looking for some and I found them. And I just hit play and I was like, ugh. And I, I wish the, the, the bad news was we weren't recording yet, but that is in my brain now. Like every time I think about anything, like my mission is to make sure that when somebody presses play on your podcast, they don't go, ugh. Because I was just like, oh man, here's somebody who wanted a podcast and you had a shot 
and you blew it. So every time I, I think about that, that's like my mission is to make sure that, you know, people don't do podcasts that suck. I just, I just don't want it to happen. Uh, I think you need to change that to your slogan. I, I really <laughs> School do. School of I'm, podcasting. <laughs> create a podcast that doesn't suck. Doesn't That's suck. Mission, that my mission is to support you here in not making a shitty podcast. <laughs> I think we're getting to a stage now where there's almost room for someone to do a podcast for people that have failed at podcasting, like recovering podaholics. We're getting to that stage now, whereas like the scarring is there and real. But Dave, I uh, very much acknowledge the time of night it must be for you now. We are getting quite late into your evening and we've been rapping and jamming for a while here. So I do want to wrap this one up. But before we do, I want to go into a few things. One, if you're a podcaster, this book will add to your knowledge base. As I said, I, I perceived myself as someone who knew a lot in this space. And well, I do know a lot in this space. But there were so many things that really questioned my thinking and different ways of doing podcast and monetization where I, I feel like this is almost like a toolkit I feel like you could go to this and almost go, oh, there's some pieces here we might be able to add in or different ways of doing things that you may not think about as just as well, as well and as much wisdom that comes through it from Dave as well. It's a really good purchase. Now, I believe the book is going to be out on September 28th. Now, I wanted to ask you before I, I go this one, where's the best place for people to get the book? Uh, you can just go to Amazon or if you just go to profitfromyourpodcast.com, I have a link right there on the front page. Awesome. So we'll make sure we link that up in the show notes as well. And if people do want to follow along on your journey day, where's the best place they can come to listen to multitudes of your podcasts? Uh, which yeah, one my main, to- yeah, my main website is schoolofpodcasting.com. That's, uh, you got all my contact information and 700 and plus episodes if you just want to I've had people do that. They're like, I just downloaded all of your episodes. I go, that is a lot of Dave. That's holy cow. Please don't listen to the early stuff. So, but uh, schoolofpodcasting.com is where you can find me. Awesome. And I want to say a big thank you for coming on the show again. I feel like we could talk for more and more hours and we probably will do another round of this at some time, but a big thank you. I'm going to wrap this one up from here. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Dave, and a pleasure to have one of the OGs, one of the originals of podcasting, Mr. Dave Jackson.